This morning, for the sermon today, uh, it's going to be a little bit unusual. Uh, we typically go through books of the Bible. That's how we do things here at Christ is King. We go through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, and right now we're in the Gospel of Matthew, and next week we'll be starting in Matthew chapter 7. We'll pick that up next week. Uh, looking at what I think is the most misapplied verse in the whole Bible. So we'll, we'll pick up our series in Matthew's Gospel next Sunday. Uh, but today, I wanted to preach a message on Christ is King. And as I started writing out the scriptures, I started with a legal pad. And I'm like, well, okay, what scriptures talk about Christ being King? And so I, I started writing in this legal pad and... Before I knew it, I had filled an entire page of Scripture references. And so I thought, how in the world, what, what, which ones do I choose? Which ones do I pick? Which ones do I say yes to? Which ones do I say no to? And I just decided, you know, I'm just going to say yes to all of them. And so, uh, and you think I'm joking. That was a nervous laugh from the people. That's <laughs> no, not a joke. Uh, so this morning, I'm going to read for you a selection of texts that proclaim the message that Christ is King. And this selection of texts this morning is a lengthy selection. And I want you this morning, as you hear the Word of God, you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I really want for this morning for your faith to be built. I'm not going to be commenting. I'm not going to be... Uh, Speaking a whole lot on these texts, I'm going to let them sort of stand on their own. I might give a little bit of context before I read them. And then as we uh, finish them, I'll give some closing thoughts here at the end. My hope is that you will be overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the evidence from the Word of God that Christ is King. And the good news for all of us this morning is I put the verses on the screen for you today, so you're not going to be having to fumble around for, through 40 different Bible passages this morning. You said 40, and I said, you know what, I didn't even bother counting, but it is a lot. Somebody, one of you is going to come up who counts, and you're going to say, it was, and I'll, I'll know who you are when you come and say that to me after. But before we get into this this morning, let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for everything that you've already done here this morning, Lord, we know that your presence is here with us. Lord, that your spirit uh, is guiding us. Lord, where two or three are gathered in your name. And Lord, we have gathered today in your name. You're right here in our midst. And so, Lord, this makes this gathering, this ecclesia, it, it sets it apart. As holy as unto you, it sets it apart from any kind of other gathering that we may have. Because you are here with us. Lord, as we read your word today, I pray that you would build faith in our hearts, that we would trust in you, Lord, that any part of our flesh where there's any doubt, doubting of your word, doubting of your promises, Lord, that as your word goes forth today, Lord, that it would eradicate doubt from our hearts, and that we would live as people of faith. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible opens with a declaration of the perfect sovereignty of God. 
There's no question who is in control and who is the king. From the very first words of the book, from the very first words of God's revelation from himself to humanity, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made the world good, but humanity fell into sin. And through the temptation of Satan, humanity rebelled against God. But in that rebellion, God brought grace. And part of that grace was a promise that there would be a deliverer and a redeemer. And in Genesis 3.15, God says to the serpent, to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We know this as the proto-evangelum, the first proclamation of the gospel, that there will come a deliverer who will crush the head of the serpent. And though the serpent would strike at his heel, the serpent would be defeated. Amen? We believe that Christ is that. I said I wasn't going to do this, but anyway, we, we believe that Christ is the one, the king, who has trampled upon Satan, crushing his head. Genesis 22, 18, speaking to Abraham, God says, in your offspring, that is through Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Speaking to King David in 2 Samuel 7, God says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. And I will establish his kingdom. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says in Isaiah 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and, from ever, and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby and, and it's going to be that king he quotes and he, 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 he hearkens back to these prophetic words and we see this in Luke chapter 1 verse 30 the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field the night that Christ was born, in Luke chapter 2, they said this, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
Through the prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, God said this, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall last forever. Later in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel, speaking of the vision he saw, he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Through David, God gave this prophetic declaration. This is uh, Psalm 110.1 is the most quoted passage in all the Bible. 33 times in the New Testament, the New Testament authors quote from Psalm 110. The Father speaking to the Son, the Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached about the resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit of God, he quoted from this very passage. We see it here in Acts chapter 2. In the middle of his sermon, he says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, it says, Now when they heard these words, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later in the book of Acts, when Paul is on his missionary journeys, he's visiting from town to town and he's stirring up uh, people who are opposed to Christ and they're filled with an antichrist spirit and they're searching for Paul and they can't find him and so they end up finding some of his companions and a man named Jason. It says in Acts 17 that when they couldn't find Paul, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers, that's the church, before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. What was it that they were doing that was turning the world upside down? Well, it tells us in the next verse, it says, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 Speaking of the resurrection, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, 
By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. After destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Colossians 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. First, oh, I'm not done. No, 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 no. We're still going. First John 3, 8. Whoever makes a practice of sin is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, 
verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, this letter is from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail On account of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 11, 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord And of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Looking now here at the words of Christ himself, as he is heading to the cross, as he is about to go to die for our sins, as he is about to be raised in victory and about to ascend to the right hand of the Father, Jesus says this now is the judgment of this world. Now will, this, will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then his parting words in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ is King. Christ is King. Amen. Amen. Christ is king. But what does all of this mean? What does this mean? In closing today, I want to give you some thoughts on what it means that Christ is king. Because Christ is king, simply put, Satan isn't. Satan is not king. He is not the ruler of this world. Christ is the ruler of the world. When Jesus came, he came to destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus came, he said, now is the ruler of this world cast out. Through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, he has taken back, claim the keys to the kingdoms of the world. Amen. Because Christ is king, I have nothing to fear. Because Christ is king, I have joy that is unspeakable. Because Christ is king, I have a peace 
that surpasses all understanding. Because Christ is King, I have an anchor for my soul in troubled times. Because Christ is King, I have a future that is secure. Because Christ is King, the promises of God are yes and amen. Because Christ is King, I rest in his finished work of salvation. I rest from all of my own foolish attempts at righteousness to make myself righteous. And instead I receive his perfect righteousness by grace through faith. Because Christ is King, I know that every sorrow is temporary. Every trial is transitory. Every temptation is powerless. And every tear he will wipe away with his own nail-scarred hands. Because Christ is King, the power of sin has been broken in my life. Because Christ is King, I know that he is working all things together for my good. Because Christ is King, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Because Christ is King, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Because Christ is King, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Because Christ is King, I have peace with God. I have peace with God. Where once I was alienated from God, separated from God because of my sin. Through my sin, I, I made myself an enemy of God. Through my sin, I was dead in my trespasses and without hope. But now, because Christ died and rose again, because he is seated at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords, because he is now making intercession for me, the chasm, the gulf that once existed between myself and God has been removed. My debt of sin was nailed to the cross and I now have peace with God. But not only that, not, not, not only do I have peace with God, God himself calls me his friend. I am a friend of God. But more than that, God calls me his child. Not only do I have peace with God, not only am I a friend of God, but I am a child of God. I can call him my father, Abba. Not only am I his child, but I have been adopted into his family. Because Christ is king, I am a part of the family of God. I am not destined to go through life alone, isolated and lonely. I am part of a family. I am part of God's family. And not only that, God is always with me. He has promised to never leave nor forsake me. Because Christ is King, I am invited to come boldly before the throne of grace, his throne of grace.
Now, if any one of us tried to approach that throne on our own efforts, tried to claw our way to God's throne because of our own merits, we would not find a throne of grace, but we would find a throne of justice and judgment. But because Christ is king, and because we are able to approach God not on our own merits, but on the merits of Christ and his perfect righteousness, God's throne is not a place of judgment or condemnation, but it is a throne of grace, unmerited favor. Because I have peace with God, I can have peace with my fellow man. The walls of division and hostility that exist outside of Christ between races and classes and cultures has been destroyed by Christ. As the Christmas hymn goes, O holy night, the slave is now my brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Because Christ is king, I have peace with God. Because Christ is king, I have peace with my fellow man. Because Christ is king, my crushing burden of guilt and shame for the things that I've done has been removed. Amen. As far as the east is from the, the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. I no longer have to try and drown out the, the guilt of my conscience because I have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ. Because Christ is king, there is hope for my future. Hope is the confident expectation for good. And the hope that we have in Christ does not disappoint because Christ is king, my future is not dictated by my past, but by Christ who is sovereign over all. Because Christ is king, when my day comes to draw my last breath, Christ will come and take me into his glorious presence along with all who have died in faith. Because Christ is king, there is a day coming when even death itself will be no more. When the sky will split open and the tombs will be emptied and all who have died in faith will rise on that last day and there will be a new heavens and a new earth and we will be together forever with him, world without end. This is just a little bit of what it means that Christ is king. Now all of these I said in the first person. I was claiming these for myself. These are the realities that we have, that I have, as a person who has faith in Christ. But God is no respecter of persons. All who look to Christ in faith, repenting of their sins, will receive the benefits will share in these same blessings. Because Christ is king, you too can have fellowship with God. Because Christ is king, you too 
can be called his son and his daughter. Because Christ is king, you too can have hope for your future. Because Christ is king, you can have life eternal. Because Christ is king, you can know God. Because Christ is king, we should live in this reality all day, every day. Now the devil is a liar. And he's going to come and he's going to sow seeds of fear and worry and doubt. And you need to tell the devil, go to hell. <laughs> Get out of here where you belong. If you want to be more holy, you can say, Get thee behind me, Satan. That's more your jam. Whose report will you believe? The lion devil? The head-crushed serpent? The one who has been dethroned? The one who was put to open shame on the cross? Or will you believe in the word of the Son of God? Whose report will you believe? We need to stir ourselves up every day in the reality that Christ is King. All of the benefits, all of the blessings, all of the promises that are yes and amen in Him are mine today because Christ is King. Because He is victorious. Because He conquered. Because He rose. Because he is seated, because he is pouring out his spirit, because he has called us to himself. Listen, if Christ were not king, you would still be dead in your trespasses. The, the greatest evidence today that Christ is king is that he has called you by name to be a part of his family. And he has saved you and he has delivered you and he has set you free, and he has baptized you in his spirit, and he has brought you into his family. Listen, if, if Christ were dead in a tomb somewhere, he could have done none of those things. We must stir ourselves up in the reality of our great king who has conquered every enemy, who has conquered every foe. Every enemy is a defeated enemy. Every foe is a conquered foe. And Christ has called us, Christ has commissioned us to go out into the world and to lift up our voice and to proclaim that good news. That Jesus is victorious, that Jesus is king, that Christ is risen, that Christ reigns, and that through faith in him, we can be part of his great kingdom. We need to live every day with this mindset. We need to live every day with this mentality. Listen, Jesus is not still hanging on the cross somewhere. Jesus is, is not still suffering 
from, from, from his death and resurrection. He died once and for all. He was the once and for all sacrifice. The work was finished. He came, he humbled himself, he suffered, he died. But on the third day, the tomb was empty because he rose again. And not only did he raise from the dead, but he ascended into heaven. As King of kings and Lord of lords. You do not serve a weak, limp, sorry excuse for a human being. You serve the one who defeated even death. You serve the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who has all power, all dominion. You serve the one whose name is above every name. May we be set free of the fear of men. May we be set free of the the worrying of, well, what are other people going to think about us? They're going to think we're crazy. You know what? Crazy people think sane people are crazy. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to spend my life worrying about what insane people think about me. Because I know that one day... Every knee will bow. I know that one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You and I, though the world may think we are crazy, you and I are the sane ones. You and I are the ones who are ahead of the curve. I do not worry about being on the wrong side of history Because where history is going is to the day when Christ returns and establishes finally and fully his rule and reign over all the earth. That's where history is going. You and I are just the forerunners proclaiming where history is going. Christ is king. And that offer... That offer is for all, for all people, all places, all nations. You can receive all of the benefits, all of the blessings of the work of Christ on your behalf if you will look to him in faith and repent of your sins. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. I don't know what you've done. Christ does, and he says... I've done the work for you to forgive your sin. There is no sin too great that Christ cannot forgive. Jesus does teach that there is an unforgivable sin, an impardonable sin. That sin is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we blaspheme the Holy Spirit? We blaspheme the Holy Spirit when we are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come to Christ in faith and we harden our hearts. That is the one sin that will not be forgiven. 
If, if you hearing the gospel, if you hearing of the work of Christ, you, you feel the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, you feel him saying, that's you. He's talking about you. But you harden your heart. and You reject the free gift of salvation in Christ. That is the one sin that will not be forgiven. But every other sin, every other sin, Christ paid the price for. You can have peace with God. How do I do that? Well, it's the same question that they asked the apostles. We read it today in Acts chapter 2. What shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That, that is how you receive salvation, through repentance and faith in Christ. There's not a series of, of words that you have to say. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus raised from the dead and that he is Lord, you will be saved. Amen. Believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. God is no respecter of persons. All who look to him in faith will find salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that even though we had rebelled against you, all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. It is because of your great love for us that even while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. Lord, your love for us is unimaginable. It's beyond comprehension. We can't even begin to grasp it. What are the heights and the depths and the width of your love? It is infinite. Lord, we see these great truths in your word. Lord, these, these truths, they lay demands upon our lives. They, they, they require something of us. God, I pray that you would help us to live as you lived. Submitted to the Father, submitted to the Word. That you would help us to silence the voice of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, and that we would choose to trust your word, that we would choose to believe in what your word says. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here today. Lord, I pray that you would continue to birth faith in every heart, every heart, and that we would exercise that faith every day as we live under the confession that Christ is King. It's in the name of Jesus, our Lord, that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning.